everybody. This is Jeff Ashkin in Los Angeles, California with Roy Cole in Jersey City, New Jersey, and Derek Kessler in Yokohama, Japan. This is the podcast, the podcast, coast to coast to coast. And this is where we would play the music uh, from Del Prado Elementary School, the our <laughs> fight song. Today we have a special guest with us, another childhood friend from Florida, musician, lawyer, and fellow trivia enthusiast, Kevin Blum. Hi, everybody. Really glad to uh, be on uh, the recording side of this this time. Uh, really excited to join you guys. Uh, have a chat with some old, uh, some of my oldest friends, in fact. So, um, really glad to be here. Well, thank you. I'm glad to have you. I want to know if you you like my intro. I, I for you, I, I wasn't sure. I wanted to get every hit all the high moments. I mean, being a childhood friend, musician, a lawyer, and a, a trivia enthusiast, I thought was yeah. That sounds that sounds good. That's a, that's, that's a good combination. Do you put that in your uh, in your CV or on your resume when you apply for jobs? <laughs> yeah, but I have to add something like you know, uh, like you know, manage a team of one and being a trivia enthusiast. <laughs> and Kevin, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think I am the first person you met after moving to Florida. Is that correct? So it's not after moving to Florida, but after moving to uh, Boca. So we moved in a little neighborhood called Arborwood in the oh. summer of 1990. Um, right. And one of the first things that happened was somebody knocked on the door and um, it was uh, someone my age with a box of, I believe they're Marvel comic trading <laughs> cards. Either that or WWF wrestling cards. <laughs> one or the other. I don't remember which one. Probably both. It was Derek. So probably both. Because um, those two consumed quite a bit of our time for the next exactly. you know, few years, but but yeah, I met Derek right before first grade, uh, so the first one of the three. Yeah, Kevin happened to move into the house directly on the other side, uh, facing mine on the same cul-de-sac, and uh, uh, I saw someone my age, and I just walked over and said hello, and a friendship blossomed. So uh, it's been a while, thirty years. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, wow. So, yeah. Almost probably almost pretty close to the day, right? In yeah. the, the summer. Exactly. Not gonna lie, this whole this whole podcast was designed to get you guys to reunite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad my, my job here is done. So just okay. to clarify, you went over his house without ever having met him, you went over there with Marvel comic slash WWF card cards prepared yeah. to play them immediately. With someone that you didn't exactly. know. Exactly. I was basically just a very outward person. I was I was very social. I shot in some neighborhoods. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> not not in Arbor with Boca Raton though. That's um, true. I uh, yeah, I was just looking for friends and and to see someone move in in the very in the house you know, right across from us. And then to see, I remember seeing his mom and his dad kind of going in and out of the car, moving boxes. And then I saw Kevin and I was like, Oh, seems like my age. So I just brought over stuff that I thought would be fun to play with. And then the, the, the years that follow probably Kevin can vouch for this too, but the only images that flash in my mind are us either playing 
with Marvel cards playing Nintendo or play like play wrestling, like pretending we were WWF wrestlers. Yeah, that 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 covers quite a bit of it. Um, I do have a very distinct memory. So you know, this is back before Bocartone is the, the big developed metropolis that it has become. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but um, back then, you know, there wasn't a development behind the house or anything. It was just this dirt yep. road that led who to where. And we spent a long, long time trying to work up the nerve to go all the way down to the dirt end of the dirt road, which was kind of like yep. isolated and scary for kids. Um, yep. I, I don't know if we ever made it there. I don't remember what was down <laughs> there, but it was probably like someone's house. <laughs> but but to us yeah, kids, it, like as as kids, it was this this great adventure was, to see how brave some, enough. Some looming ominousness to it, like you shouldn't go there. And, this whole, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, this whole thing it, sounds like the plot to Stand by Me or, or some sort of coming of age. Movie. It felt like that. Yeah, it really felt like that because it felt like we were doing something we shouldn't do. There was kind of this rumor that you didn't go there that. You know, there were, you'd get killed if you went there, or you'd get arrested. Like something bad would happen. So it was always this thing that we would uh, kind of romanticize about: is you know, let's go back to the dirt road and see what we can do, see what we can find. Was there a creepy old man that was like, "Don't go beyond the dirt road. It's forbidden." <laughs> That was probably just our, our parents who were like, yeah. don't go where we can't yeah. see you. Yeah. Did they ever <laughs> but, disguise but themselves us. as ghosts to, to make you scared <laughs> of the dirt road? Uh, I think I think we, we were creative enough, I think, that we came up with all of our, our own stories right, what yeah. may have happened back there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do um, you guys want to hear a movie cliche of the day or you want to go right into our topic? What do you think? We should... Uh, you can do the cliche. Movie cliche of the day is waking up from a nightmare. If a character is awakening from a nightmare, he or she will suddenly pop up and sit upright on, on the bed, sweating and breathing heavily. Now, I've had nightmares. I don't know if you guys all have had them, but I never shoot up out of bed and be like, <gasps> you know, and like get all sweaty and breathe heavily. I kind of like wake up kind of like groggily, like, ugh, ugh, what was that? I very rarely ever wake up that way How, anybody any of you wake up like the, in the movies where you shoot up in bed no no not like the the don't wake daddy board game where if you press the button up the dad <laughs> just shoots up like that no yeah. <laughs> no one does that i don't know i don't know anybody who ever woke up from a nightmare I, like that i do it not from a nightmare but if you i don't know if you guys have ever i'm sure you have you know have to wake up early for a meeting or something and it's like a couple hours before you usually wake up and do you ever have that sense where you're like you feel like maybe you've overslept but you're not sure and you keep getting up and checking your clock I, i've had a couple times where i like i was pretty certain that i had overslept and i got up and looked and it was a lot earlier than i thought or something yeah that, yeah. that definitely happens to me um it's it's you know, fairly rare, especially you know, now that I have a just-turned-two-year-old at home, that I actually wake up naturally and not from either him waking up or from my alarm. But um, when I do, it's really, really uh, disconcerting. I'm like, what, what did I miss? What did I sleep through? Is everybody okay? So, yeah, it's, it's definitely that, for me, is a lot more common. Um, nightmares, yeah, I, I've never sat straight up from. Um, <laughs> 
But it's a good way for a movie to communicate the fact that the main character or the character has just had a nightmare. Exactly. Obviously, it shows urgency and a visual of characters, uh, you know, a mental state. Have you guys yeah. ever experienced uh, sleep paralysis? Are you Is that when you, you can't I, wake up? I have them? just once. It was actually it was it was terrifying because I was having, you know, a, a, a don't really even know if it was a dream or a nightmare. And then I felt like I woke up and I was looking around my room and there was somebody over my bed who then tried yes. to strangle me. And then I woke up for real. Um, yeah. So it only happened to me once, but man, that was scary. Yeah. Sounds like similar. to Gerald's Game by Stephen King. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar, but I recommend checking that one out. But uh, that seems to be fairly common in Japan, actually. And I had never heard of the... Uh, that phenomenon until I moved here and uh, a long time ago when I was teaching English to adults it was pretty it was a pretty common thing to come up during a class where they would ask me how to say sleep paralysis in English they would say the <laughs> Japanese word for it and at first I had no idea what they were referring to and then uh, it, 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 I came to realize that they were referring to an actual phenomenon where you wake up and like Kevin said you you're conscious, but you don't have the ability to move. And I can't say I've experienced it myself, but I've been told by enough people who have experienced it here in Japan that I kind of get an idea of what it might be like. Did I have a dream where you weren't even in the dream? (laughs) 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 I've had those dreams. I'm like such a boring person. Never had that happen, but I have had it happen where I'm dreaming and something you know, that was a driving force behind the dream ends, and then I actually have had credits roll That's in funny. my dream, like like a movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like it's it's done. Yeah, yeah, easy. But um, it's just interesting because I, I feel like there's there's certainly a lot of psychology in in dreams that I think we haven't even really scratched the surface with, but fascinated by that. Uh, so. Speaking of dreaming, no, I don't know. This doesn't really get, it's not a good segue. Let's get to our topic. All right. So, topic for today is who is the greatest composer of all time? Or I should say, possibly, greatest composers of all time. Does that have to be limited to a certain genre? Or has, doesn't have to be just one person? Limited, uh, I, I want to limit it to three if you can't decide. Uh, Kevin, who is a musician, great one is that. I want to say that. Uh, I will say, if is our guest, would you like to get started? So I think you know, the it's hard to say best. That's so subjective. But I do think I have a fairly strong opinion as to which ones I think were best in that they're most influential on you know, what came after them. Um, I, I think any discussion of the most influential uh, you know, composer of all time has to start with Johann Sebastian Bach. Um, you know, he's, he died in 1750, arguably any music that's uh, in the Western tradition, at least that came afterwards, probably up until in and around 1900 is all based on what Bach did. Um, you know, music theory, what, you know, when you're studying how, how does music actually work? Um, how does composition actually work? You learn that first chord structure, 
Um, you know, even when you get into pop music, it's all chords that Bach used. Um, if not first, then he used them, you know, kind of most prominently and, you know, taught it um, to uh, subsequent composers. He had a lot of children. Um, we have a horrible classical music joke that we say Bach had so many children because he has no stops on his organ. Um, <laughs> which is, if, you, if you've played organ before, it's a really funny joke, I promise. Um, Still funny but, without uh, it. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's, I think, you know, if you have to talk about who's the most influential and, and, and therefore you know, the best in that music wouldn't exist today as we know it without him, I think you have to start and, and end that conversation with Bach. Mm. Yeah. Bach to the future. <laughs> so you're saying we wouldn't even have, say, the Black Eyed Peas today if not for <laughs> Johann Sebastian Bach? I, you can definitely make a, a direct trace to anything that's in that Western tradition that has you know, chord structure based on triads, based on the note of, notes of the scale. That all goes back to Bach. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think he definitely you know, set the stage for Black Eyed Peas, even though there was yet to be a Polaroid picture to shake it like. <laughs> that's andre from outcast by the way I just oh no I'm... <laughs> did, I, did i say i'm a classical music guy <laughs> but I, I believe uh um uh fugue in d minor was the inspiration for uh, my humps so <laughs> i had All to right. look, i had to look up by the way fugue in d minor i, I didn't know that was a bach a Bach jam. I just Googled it. <laughs> yeah. That's so, your choice for your most influential. That's, I think, I think I, ha I have to put him number one. one. Three or is that number one? I think he's just number one. I think it all starts okay. with Bach. Okay. okay. Derek, you want to go next? All right. Um, love Kevin's answer and just, uh, well, mm, I was going to say that to answer this question, Similar to what Kevin was thinking, there are multiple ways to approach the question. And I think if you're going to approach it from the way of saying, what are the three greatest composers of all time? Um, it's difficult to argue that the number one composer of all time was not either Bach, Mozart, or Beethoven. Um, maybe your number two choice and number three choice could be different depending on your personality and maybe the way you look at music. But I think number one has to be one of those three. And I'm glad that Kevin uh, succinctly explained the reasons why he believed Johann Sebastian Bach should be number one. Um, I wanted to look at it as far as who my personal favorites were um, rather than who I think are the best, because I think that would be a little bit more... Um, more of a subjective answer. So um, going to keeping in the same uh, uh, kind of uh, contemporary, uh, as a contemporary with Bach, I, I was, I'm going to go with uh, Antonio Vivaldi as oh, yes. one of my personal favorites. Um, I wouldn't say he's as influential or as diverse as Bach or Possibly the other two people Kevin is going to mention next. I, I'm not. I don't want to um, assume too much. But, but uh, Vivaldi uh, also during the Baroque period, uh, from you know, born in Venice, 
and uh, lived a lot of his life there, but also traveled um, several parts of Europe, not to mention Vienna, where he died. Um, I like Bach, uh, sorry, I like um, Vivaldi for a lot of reasons. Obviously, his most famous composition is The Four Seasons. And unfortunately, I think that the vast majority of people, unless you're very um, well-studied uh, in classical music, I think the vast majority of people's knowledge of Vivaldi starts and ends with The Four Seasons. Um, and I think it's uh, an amazing piece of work. I love it. But there's so much more to his um, ovier that uh, most people tend to overlook. Um, it's interesting that he, something that he did in his career, uh, halfway through his career, I thought uh, was very interesting, which was, um, and Kevin, if I, if I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I don't have any official training in classical music. I just greatly enjoy classical music. So if there's anything that I say that maybe contradicts what you know is true, then feel free to uh, come in and tell me I'm wrong. But um, for what I like, so what Vivaldi did halfway through his career, he made a business decision to instead of write, to compose and then sell that, um, publish that himself and, and try to get sales from that, he decided to work off commission uh, from very wealthy patrons. So basically he would find people who were willing to pay him to compose a song that would, he would write, sorry, I mean song, I, I want to say, I should say classical piece um, that he would write and then give to that person. Then that person would essentially have the rights to that piece of music and wouldn't be able, Vivaldi wouldn't be able to sell that or publish that in any other areas. And what this means is there's a lot of pieces of work that he's written that kind of were forgotten over the centuries and because they were in private hands. And there's a particular um, uh, performer who I like named uh, Giuliano Carmignola. He's an Italian violinist. And what he's done is he's um, he's basically gone to, to seek out as many of those um, private compositions that Vivaldi made and put them to recording. And a lot of his uh, albums are the premier recordings of some of these works that have never, haven't been heard in, you know, some cases, maybe 150, 200 years. And uh, it, it's very re revelatory to see how, um, how diverse Vivaldi was, how creative he could have been in his compositions, aside from the, you know, the Four Seasons, which he's most well known for. And that has made it uh, very interesting for me to try to collect his works and enjoy them in that sense of kind of being like these hidden works that were written at some point and then kind of forgotten over the centuries. Um, and I guess what, what draws me to them is I just love the energy that Vivaldi has uh, and the the ability that he has to convey emotion through the violin and um you know the the, the four seasons obviously one of the first probably um uh, examples of pro program music or themed music. so it, he's actually trying to convey a specific picture in the listener's mind up until then 
uh, and Kevin can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think most music was written either for religious purposes or just kind of to have as background music, not really meant to convey a specific idea. So the, the Four Seasons was influential in that sense. And then I just think the the creati- creativity that he's shown in his other works that are a lot less well-known, um, it's just it's just so interesting to me, the, the colors that he conveys with the violin. And, and that's one reason why I've always really admired him um, as a composer. And it's cool to kind of listen to those rare, find those rare works and maybe think, you know, probably no one else has heard them and just kind of like enjoy them. And, um, you know, I hope other people get to hear them too. That's kind of why I wanted to talk about it, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, he's definitely one of my favorites and those are the reasons why. That's a great point that you have about the, um, the, the program music, um, Mm -hmm. that that kind of goes out of style for a while, but that idea that the music should convey a picture or a story, it really comes back full force, you know, later on in the romantic period. And, you know, if you look even to, you know, things like today with film music and and film scores, it's essentially doing exactly what Vivaldi was doing. It's trying to paint a picture, set a scene, um, in a way that, you know, had not really been done much before Vivaldi. Um, so yeah, it's, that's, that's a really good point. It actually does, um, speak a lot to even though people don't really give him credit for that necessarily he's definitely one of the innovators yeah i'm jumping sorry can i can i quickly read uh my one note that i made for this entire topic of who is the greatest <laughs> composer this is the note that i made i wrote i like the one guy who does the four seasons i like how each season is different because the seasons are different <laughs> That's it. Thank you. I, I I should have let you discuss this. Um, <laughs> well, so, it's good so, to so see it, that. For those who are t- keeping score at home, that's Vivaldi two Bach one. Yeah. <laughs> Suck it, Bach. Yeah, and I just want to add. I mean, I I would agree that I I think Bach is a greater composer um, and a more much more influential composer than Vivaldi. But just my personal taste, I, I love Bach, but I mean. I just I love th- those things about Vivaldi that I mentioned. I just I just love them. So, yeah. All and right. Kevin, have you heard of the violinist that I mentioned? No, I hadn't. I hadn't. I have to check him out. That's uh, yeah. As a as a wind player, I don't always really explore um, you know a lot of the string instruments. Um, you know, musicians. I don't really know a ton of them, but that's definitely one I'll check out. Okay. Yeah, I could send you a link to mm-hmm. my recommendations and maybe. Jeff, you could put it in. Do we have links to this podcast? I don't know. <laughs> I'll, yeah, we, I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out something. We could, we'll definitely put them on. When we post this, we can definitely put a link in so we can, you know, expand hey, it. Hey, Kevin, have you ever accidentally uh, farted in public and said, I'm sorry, I'm a wind player? Like, use that <laughs> as an excuse. I, I, I did not, but um, that. I think you should use that. Try that out. I, 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 I'm going to save that as you know, a, a dad joke to use <laughs> when, when my son's a little bit older and will actually understand the joke. Yeah, I think everyone. So he already knows that cutes are funny, so he's well. <laughs> All right. Well, I was going gonna to give you my, right, one of my computers. Unveil, unveil your number. One, we're one of three. All right. Well, Kevin already brought up uh, uh, J.S. Bach. I call him J.S., um, by the way. Anyway, You're the only one. Um, <laughs> no. oh, Johann Sebastian Bach, I think I agree with everything Kevin said. Uh, he definitely was 
the innovator that I feel everyone owes uh, something to. And um, I do enjoy Vivaldi. Hey, the truth, that, that was going to be my number one, and I have it written down here, and especially Jesu, Joy of Man's Desiring, I really like that piece particularly, and the Brandenburg Concertos. Um, oh, yeah. One of, them I, one of them I think I really like. The others I, I have to re-listen to, but I really like uh, some of those. Anyway, Is it number I, five? <laughs> number five? I, maybe it have been number five. I have to look it up. But I remember no, I have a I got Brandenburg Concerto number five. It might be the one I'm thinking of then, because I knew it was one of them that I really liked, and the other two I was kind of like, oh, it's the other Why four. Why is the most famous? But but yeah. musically, I, I think it it's, might be my favorite. But I, I had to go, I wanted to go with someone who was also a composer, and Kevin mentioned film music, so I can't I can't not mention another one of my favorite composers. Of course, no big surprise, since I am a film person, Tom Williams. And I I know he owes a debt to a lot of the composers of the past, and a lot of his work is very uh, reminiscent of a lot of work um, from throughout history. But his work in so many movies has captured my imagination like no other. And I don't think those particular films would have been as successful without his music. Certainly not Star Wars, man, or Jurassic Park, or Jaws, or E.T., Raiders of the Lost Ark, and even Catch Me If You Can, which is a different style of music than I had heard from them before. I mean... They're just so unique. Even Harry Potter, which uh, is similar to his other stuff, still has a magical quality to it. And I feel like what's the great thing about him is that even though the picture has already been created, he elevates it. He gives you a sense of almost like a four-dimensionality to it. Like, for example, Star Wars. You can definitely get the sense of the, the, uh, the uh, overwhelming sense of the Empire rebel spirit the the nature of the film is just elevated by that music um and it was a great choice for lucas to decide to go with a classical score instead of what was popular at the time for sci-fi films which was electronic making it very you know sci-fi ish it can get very classical ingrained it i think more in our memories as something for all time um same thing with superman i feel like it elevates that superhero theme to great heights Somebody even mentioned uh, in a, um, a review of, of his music that when you hear Superman, the theme, the main theme, of course, it literally speaks out the name Superman. It's like, dun, 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 Superman. You can actually hear it when the song plays. Obviously, I'm glad no one recorded lyrics to that song, really. But it just. I've secretly recorded lyrics to that song. That I, had to, I haven't released it yet. <laughs> you would, of course. Anyway, but that's definitely he's definitely one of the composers that I feel uh, I could not watch these movies without hearing those scores. They're ingrained in my memory, and I'm glad they are because they have definitely elevated uh, my experience of them. So that's my choice. That would be like number two under Bach. So, so Jeff, I just I, I agree. I mean, John Williams, I think, is clear in a way the, the best film composer I think of all time. Um, just curious though, what you think? I, there's a little bit of like, uh, you know, there's in, in football, there's the big debate as to whether the Patriots are so good because Tom Brady is the quarterback or because <laughs> Bill Belichick's the coach. Is there a little bit of that to John Williams? Like, if John Williams, instead of doing you know, such you know, movies that are just so great like you know, star wars and et if instead he did like Gili and that's my boy and those like this the scores that he did would we what be talking about boy? him as a great composer it's funny you say that because 
I didn't mention this because I don't really care for these movies, but the movies I don't care for that he scored, I actually lo- I actually like the scores. Like there's a movie called The Book Thief, which I didn't think was that good. He scored, which I like. Hey. And I, I here's some controversy time. Here we go. I did not care for Hook. I don't think it's that great of a movie. But I like his score a lot. I love the theme where he I love the theme where he takes off into Neverland. The Pirates theme, I think it's great. And he once again, I feel like he elevates a movie that I didn't think would be that memorable. I can remember those scores more than I can remember those movies. So that's how I would So basically that. if if John Williams had scored Gigi, then it'd be like number four on the IMDB. Is that what you're saying? It is possible. I don't know about that movie. Maybe Grandma's Boy. I don't know. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. Please check in next week for part two of our discussion on our favorite composers.